Satnam Yogis. You're listening to episode 54 of the Urban Yogi Podcast, a continuation of my interview with Cam Fraser down in Australia. Some weird technical glitch happened, and I wasn't able to edit the two together. And whenever I tried to, it would cut off another part of the interview, and it would keep sort of splicing things up. It was very, very strange. So anyway, I took it as a sign that the universe wanted me to have two separate episodes with Cam Fraser because he deserves them. He's a wealth of knowledge, really kind man. And I look forward to leading a workshop with him, a uh, retreat series for men, Naked Men Retreat. Um, at some point in Bali, we've been kind of talking about something something like that. We both feel called to really, you know, inspire men to be confident. Uh, in the words of Cam Fraser, confident. Just be confident in your body. And uh, I found in my work, uh, especially my, with my work with Silver up here in Canada, is encouraging men to get naked together and, you know, just spend time bonding in a platonic way. Uh, really lessens competition and you know the comparison on the back of that that our society is riddled with when it comes to it comes to men's groups and what have you. So I'm really stoked for uh, for a potential collaboration with Cam, and I hope you enjoy the second part of our interview. Namaste. I think about the sweet things in life. We just go too fast. On this track to see awesome. what little technical difficulty, but uh, I guess that's good to know if I switch from using my headphones speaker to the speaker here that it can mucks it up. So we won't do that again. Ah, <laughs> nice, nice. Good to know. Yeah, good to know. I'm just going to see. Oh, there we go. I can turn up a little bit. Awesome, man. So we were just talking about um, nudity, man's work, being authentic. Um, you said that you've you've taught one naked yoga class. Was that co-ed or just men? It was a co-ed class. Yeah, yeah. So I was a uh, I was uh, a ring in at the last minute. Their regular teacher had um, fallen sick, so they called me up the day before and said, "Would you like to teach it?" Nice. And do you you so teach, a, like clothed yoga often or? Um, I used to I actually don't teach too much anymore. Um, okay. Yeah, I kind of made the transition from from yoga teacher to coach um so my yoga classes kind of fell by the wayside a little bit but um yeah i used to teach i used to teach quite a lot um classes and and courses as well i quite like the um the style of courses rather than just regular classes because i can actually i can actually structure it and get some progression through the students um which i find quite quite cool you can build yeah with the drop-in classes it's harder to kind of build yeah, yeah, it's like nice for just a, a refresher, but um, yeah, I quite like the, I quite like seeing change happen, um, in a in a structured way. Totally, totally. Yeah. So, how do you identify sexually? Are you? Would you say you're heteroflexible or? Um. Yeah, I, I suppose so. Yeah, like I'm in a I'm in a long term monogamous um, heterosexual relationship, and um, and yeah, that's I mean that suits me you know just fine so i am um, yeah i'm i guess like there's some flexibility there but yeah it's a uh, pretty i'm pretty heteronormative man like i and i speak to that demographic you know i try and speak yeah. to um try and speak to kind of your straight white dudes um because that's kind of my lived experience and um i feel like you know, i can speak on authority um with that totally i'm noticing that like people like men who identify as straight there's this shift that's happening where it was before it's like, no, like, fuck, I would never, like, I'm not attracted to guys at all. 
like almost a defensiveness to now it's like, oh yeah, I find guys attractive. Yeah, I've sucked cock before or, you know, I've made out with a guy before and, and it's less like of an emotional charge. Mm, and definitely. And I've noticed guys in Canada and, and Australia, uh, more straight guys are opening up about that. You know, they're, they're 8% gayness, for example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that Aubrey's Ob- uh curve quote is amazing, man. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I don't give a shit, but nobody's under 8% gay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually find, like, with me, like, the more gay I allow myself to be, the straighter I become. Oh, okay. So so if I allow myself to shake my balls in a group of men and, you know, teach things that are gay by society standards and practice semen retention and do, like, no ejaculation challenges with my bros – it actually makes me want to eat pussy more. It makes me want to be intimate with women more. It's an interesting thing for me. Mm, um, mm. I think um I think the the like the like you can think of that that pendulum, right? Or that, you know, I think you used the word spectrum a bit earlier. And I, I like the I like the idea of a spectrum as well. Um but like we we polarize, right? Like we go one way and um and then and this goes for like all types of like all types of experiences, I suppose, like we polarize one way and then that'll, you know, shift us completely the opposite way and we'll swing between the two. And, um, I've often found that with like, um, like even, even in my own life, my sexual experiences, like I'll, I'll swing from one direction and be like, you know, super, you know, want to be super penetrative and super like quote unquote, you know, stereotypically masculine in the bedroom and want to, you know, want to be um, ravishing and, 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 um, you know, in control. And then I'll swing to completely opposite direction and I want to be like the receiver, right? I want to be receptive. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll want to do some prostate stimulation and some anal play and, and be like the, the stereotypically feminine role. Right. Um, and then just kind of swing between those two. And I think like, I think the more that we're able to be open and speak about, um, especially like for men, like our sexual experiences and, and what we can experience and the, the diverse range of the things that we can do sexually, the more guys like go, they, they lose that emotional charge, right? They lose that yeah. kind of like defensive thing of being like, Oh, I can't, I can't do any anal play. That's going to make me you know, gay. That's going to label me as a certain thing. Right. Um, and so, uh, and, and like, you know, we can talk, you know, Eric Anderson and stuff have talked about like homo hysteria where like you know, this idea of being gay is considered bad and wrong. And so therefore like every time we, we associate, you know, um, negativity to, to being gay, that kind of like builds this hysteria around it. So, um, so a guy called Eric, Eric Erickson, um, or Eric Anderson, sorry, not Eric Erickson, um, the developmental psychologist, um, Eric Anderson, uh, he's a social psychologist and talks about, uh, like homophobia, homo hysteria and why it's a thing. Okay. Um, so he's, he's written a couple of papers on it, which is quite interesting. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. And one of the reasons why I think, you know, men straight identifying guys are like so adverse to um, any type of prostate stimulation or anal play is because of this homo hysteria, right? It's like, because I'm scared of being labeled this thing, right? Because being labeled that thing is going to mean I'm lesser and, you know, and, it, and it's going to mean that I'm, I'm more feminine and I can't be feminine because I have to be masculine. I have to be a quote unquote masculine man. Right. So, um, so it limits our experiences, limits everything. I actually think that, gay like doing gay gay things actually makes you more masculine like taking a dick up your ass like you're receiving testosterone from the sperm that's going to masculinize your body like that's what the ancient greeks did like they believed that if you 
took in the sperm of a big strong man that you would become bigger and stronger yourself um mm. you know in the sambia tribe in new guinea believed that they actually don't allow the, the boys to have sex with women until age 20 and before then the goal is just to suck as much dick as you can <laughs> yeah yeah i've heard the um yeah and i've read some of the the things from the papua new guinean tribes yeah that's quite interesting and yeah. i think there's like a there's like a pretty well-known um you know tongue-in-cheek joke about uh you know the the most masculine thing you can do is fuck another man right and like yeah the 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 kind of like cliche around that yeah i think it's quite good yeah and or even just like apparently like in ancient tribes and civilizations it, sex wasn't this is the work of wendy mandy she said like sex mm. wasn't like you're gonna go after that person and conquer them and who fucked you like that that's more like western but it was more like um people would just like get naked or wear minimal clothing and like set a fire up and just like dance, do like raise their Kundalini together as a group around the fire. And it would be this sexual ecstatic dance where they like fall over in ecstasy. And that was kind of like the, the orgies of the past, according to Wendy Mandy. And she said mm. that many of the alpha males in the tribes, they would often have many, many wives and many, many offspring. Uh, and when the women were menstruating, the women were considered to be too potent, too powerful for them, for the alpha males to be around. So they would all go off to their own area. And then the, the alpha male would often go to the shaman for healing. And the, the wow. shaman is usually the, the gay guy. Um, and that mm. healing would often be a sexual healing. So I feel like that's the role that I'm stepping into because it, it's amazing. Like I, I teach Zoom sexual Kung Fu private lessons to mostly straight guys all around the world and um it's like 50 percent straight guys in my in my naked men's yoga and sexual kung fu classes now and i just feel like doing stuff that's considered queer is actually making them better lovers with their girlfriends that's what they tell me because they're able to like not ejaculate when they want to and they can do internal ejaculations now and they're able to you know heal themselves with their sexual energy and you know it's like and then i have i started a men's group and i teach sexual kung fu techniques and some of the straight guys are like oh like we want to learn this but like we're all naked together and it feels weird like i don't know if because you know of my american this is one fellow he's like because of my american upbringing like i don't know why I feel this way, but like, I'm straight. I've got a girlfriend. I'm not supposed to be getting naked with a bunch of other guys, you know, pulling on our dicks. Um, but, you know, so I'm having my friend Silver, who is a straight guy, who's going to talk to them tomorrow or on Monday morning when we have the meeting, because he really believes in the power of men getting naked together. And he, he was away from his girlfriend for a few months and he was practicing semen retention and he'd built up all this sexual energy in his body and he didn't know what to do with it. And then he was just meditating and he received this yogic sequence essentially of, he calls it, he calls it the wild man activation. And it's just where you get naked and you just like bring your hands like that, like claws and you like bring the energy into your balls and then you shake your balls and you tap yourself. It's kind of like sexual Kung Fu. And uh, he, he received this divine guidance to share it on a men's retreat that he was at. And so he like encouraged all 30 men to like get naked in a teepee and do this together and then hug each other at the end. And uh, it was just really nice to meet like another person who do, who's doing something similar. Cause I was like, am I the only freak in Canada right now? doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then I met him and, and uh, 
So, so there are other people doing this. And I guess I, I'm just kind of, I wanted to like, when you teach this men's work, do you get naked? And, and is there any ever, ever any sort of backlash because of that? Or how do you navigate the nudity if you do do nudity? Mm. Yeah, I've, um, I've actually never really explored nudity with the men that I've worked with. And it's actually something that I've been feeling more that I want to do. And I had this idea actually with a couple of men, um, amazing facilitators of doing like a men's retreat into exploring the lover archetype. And one of the, one of the, well, a couple of the, the, the portions of that retreat would have been like possibly some naked breath work, um, mm. similar stuff to what you're talking about. It's like some, um, some sexual Kung Fu, some of my own, you know, version of tantric yoga, uh, then some ritual as well around touch. And, um, I'm, I incorporate some stuff from Betty Martin's wheel of consent and, um, stuff around boundaries and, um, tapping into sensitivity and sensation again through the hands and, and then knowing how to ask for what it is that you want and being able to um, feel comfortable having a dialogue back and forth about where you're comfortable touching and what you're comfortable touching. Um, so have the men and, into, into pairs and do that with each other kind of thing? Or? Yeah, that was my intention to kind of explore touch with another guy um, and, um, and set up the boundaries that way and learn how to hold space for another guy, um, hold space for yourself and then hold space for another man. Um, and then, and then get a group of people in for them to then practice that on. So like whether it was a group of women to come in. Um, and so we set up this, this, um, you know, in, in kind of Tantra, we can talk about um, the, you know, the polarity between quote, quote unquote masculine and feminine um, transfiguration. It's sometimes called, right. So you know, maybe getting a group of people who really embody that femininity um, and getting these guys kind of like stepping into that, that space holder role. So teaching them how to do that um, in the, like kind of the, erotic capacity in that lover kind of way and then teaching them how to touch another person who's like dropped into their feminine and create that safety and create that surrender um and not engage with it erotically but you know be able to hold space for that person to drop into it i think that's a really important thing to do but that has to be done with yourself first and in a safe container with another person then you can learn how to do it with, with someone who's who you don't know right who is someone who you're maybe not so familiar with um so i had kind of this idea of doing a five-day um and that came to me after sitting in meditation as well. After after a big festival that I put on here in WA, um, uh, I kind of sank into meditation for a couple of days and I was like, what's coming through for me really strongly? And it was, yeah, it was, it was exploring sensuality and sexuality and nudity and touch with, with, with men in a group of men. Yeah, that's so cool. And it's like, for me, this type of work that you're describing, when I've engaged in it, it's, it's turned me from being a lustful being into more of a, an erotic being, you know, and I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with the work of David R. Hawkins, Power Versus Force. No, oh, no. it's a great book. He talks about the levels of consciousness and he calibrates consciousness and energy. So a thousand would be the consciousness of Jesus. Uh, 200 would be like uh, contentment, routine, functionality, um, courage, courage. So once you get to 200, your frequency supports life. It's in a truthful vibration. But anything below 200, like guilt or shame, pinches off life. So mm. he talks about how lust is lower than 200. But the equivalent, the higher equivalent that you can transmute lust into is eroticism. So being able to hold space for yourself and, your, and, and another, for me, all these exercises help me just like feel erotic 
and not like I need another being to complete me. It's like I'm, I'm turning myself into a whole circle instead of half a circle. Mm. And nothing mm. is more delicious than that, being able to just feel uh, resource and good within one's own being and sexy. Yeah, 100%, man. Like that it. place, I become fully a lover. And it doesn't mm. matter whether the person is transgender or male or female, it's their soul that I'm attracted to. But if I'm below 200, like when I was addicted to cocaine, which is really fentanyl, I was lusty and I was always on grinder looking for sex. So there's yeah. something yeah. powerful about these practices that can elevate us to that place where we're, we've already put on our oxygen mask and then we're just assisting those around us. Mm. I feel you, man. And and what you're describing sounds like um, or, or makes me think of like the way um, Foucault kind of like differentiated between like ars erotica and scientia sexualis, like this, this like the, the cultures that are built around eroticism, right? And the cultures that are built around like, like lust and, and sexual kind of, um, you know, uh, pervasiveness right this this scientific way of looking at sexuality this kind of like biological way of looking at it as opposed to like the artistic you know beautiful kind of ritualistic way of looking at, at eroticism and sexuality the term um, used i just want to look them up after um ars ars erotica so ars erotica and then scientia which is like um you know, science um sex sexualis scientia sexualis um well, it's like the Latin Latin terms for, for erotic art and scientific sexuality and the way that cultures are kind of built around those two things. I think the more we're able to shift, because we're definitely like in the scientific way of looking at sexuality, right? The very lusty kind of way of looking at sex. So the more we're able to kind of like drop into that erotic art way of looking at sexuality um, and, and bridge that gap is what, that's really what I try and do. Like in the work that I'm doing is like bring yeah. a bit of those both worlds into, um, into come, come some synergy or harmony. Um, I think the more we're able to kind of step into that other world and explore the ritualistic side and the erotic side of our sexual expression with whoever it might be, um, the healthier, like our sexual, our sexual experience is going to be. And right. And, and to use that, um, analogy, um, or the example that you've just said, like raising above that 200 mark and, and being that full body, like that, what you, what you said to me, rather than being half a circle, being your own full circle reminds me of like a teaching that one of my mentors gave to me, which was about relationships particularly monogamous relationships is and it's in our language right it's like oh you complete me or this is my better half right this, i love like little, <laughs> yeah yeah i love these little idioms because there's like so, like little nuggets of truth in them and it's like well you know instead of this other person being you know something that completes you and something that you know that um that you can't live without right which is you know often the way it's framed um so instead of being like the yin yang symbol right we we have to realize that we need to break away from one another, become fully, completely our own circle, our own full, you know, spectrum of, of self-love and eroticism and, and everything else that we need comes from within us. Yeah. Self-love. Right. And then come back together instead of as a, um, instead of as the infinity symbol, uh, instead of as the yang yang symbol, you come together as the infinity symbol, right? There's two people choosing every day to kind of be together with one another and, and choosing to, to fully love themselves and then fully commit to another person or, or other people, whatever it might be. Um, so that's, that's what that reminded me of, man. It's a beautiful teaching. Yeah. Who, who taught you that? It's a guy called Simon Martin, Simon. who is a, yeah, he's an amazing, um, very similar to yourself, Kundalini um, practitioner and um, chiropractor and 
just opened up his new um, his new school as well in Perth here in WA. So I highly recommend you checking him out. Cool. I feel like there's some sort of, um, I don't know if it's in our DNA as men, but we have this desire to want to be naked around each other. Or I'll speak for myself, I do. And I, <laughs> I thought that made me gay, but then I realized the more I do that and the better I feel in my own body, the more bisexual I become. So like it's, I just feel like I, I did some research on ancient Greece and like apparently like the first or ancient Rome, the first several Olympics were done naked. Mm. Yeah. And the word gymnasium actually means a bunch of men working out naked in a space. Gymnos. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and, and Amazing. Uh, the gymnasiums were where men would go to work out naked and to philosophize naked. Hmm. Hmm. Beautiful, man. And, and like, we even s still see like some of that in, like I've been naked around, you know, 20 other, you know, even, you know, I'd say maybe even 40 other guys when we're sharing a locker room, but just, you know, just naked, right. Just having a shower, um, you know, drying yourself off, just kind of like touching yourself. And it's like, it's framed obviously very non-erotically, but in a, in a sense, it's, it's pretty erotic, right? Like it's a bunch of men being naked, being comfortable being naked as well, which is like this, the, the, the weird, thing about it is like everyone is so comfortable but then outside of that context there's like the complete opposite we polarize right and it's like nothing like there's nothing that you would you know, rather do right you know it's this it's this weird like um but i would dichotomy i would, I would beg to differ because i get a lot of messages from guys saying i would love to come to your naked yoga class but i feel uncomfortable even getting naked in the locker room with guys you know so i think I yeah right guys get still are really uncomfortable even in the locker room Mm. maybe it's um maybe it's like a forced comfortability right they they're like oh fuck everyone else is doing this i'm really not comfortable doing it but i'll be the i'll be the weird guy if i don't get naked right and then it's like this you're you're crossing your own boundaries and then some personal kind of consent is crossed maybe that's what's going on sort of yeah pretending to be comfortable or just doing it because you know that's the norm in that space mm. but, but even mm. in in uh, in vancouver those spaces are very far and few between it might be different in australia but in Vancouver, like now the locker rooms are every, every man is getting their own stall now and they're like putting uh, barriers in between the showers and stuff. So wow. that's like being phased out. <laughs> oh, really? Right. Yeah. I haven't been to a locker room for a while, but this is yeah definitely in my athletic days. That was in America even as well. So oh, okay. um, yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah. I'm sure it depends on what city and stuff, but, mm. but uh, yeah, no, that I just think that's really cool that you had that vision. Uh, because, yeah, and then I feel like there's something to do with psychedelics. Like, a lot of straight guys who I speak with who've done psychedelics are more open to this type of conversation. Have you? Yeah, I would, um, I would, I would back you up on that. I think people that have experimented with psychedelics in a healthy, kind of respectful way mm -hmm. are generally more open to having conversations like this, right? Um, so I think, like, just as a general rule, they're, they're usually a bit more open, a bit more aware of kind of what else is out there. And I think sexuality just happens to be a part of that as well. Um, I would also say like people that have experimented with like certain psychedelics maybe are a little bit more open as well, um, or a little bit more directed towards the psychedelic um, sexuality experience. Like for example, um, I was going to say like for for example, people that have like experimented with with MDMA, you know, and and maybe have a bit of a healthier relationship rather than a bit more of an addictive relationship to it. 
um, are a bit more open to the to the concept of like loving another person and regardless of who that person is and being a bit more comfortable kind of sharing that I think is something I've observed anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about the polarity. I feel like you must know the work of David Data. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I, I really love his book. I love his book, uh, The Way of the Superior Man. And right now I'm reading the Enlightened Sex Manual, which I really enjoy. Um, nice. Tell me about that, the, the polarity in relationship, because I think that whether you're, you're with somebody of the same gender or a different gender, there's always going to be that polarity, right? Mm, yeah, totally. And it's, and it's the polarity that creates sexual chemistry, right? It creates that sexual tension. And this goes into like, we can, we can talk a little bit about like stress as well and like the good stress versus the bad stress and, and good stress is, is that sexual anticipation, right? Be like, Oh, is this going to happen? Is this not? And it's like that, that being like a little bit, um, a little bit, you know, aroused in the in, you know, physical sense of the word, you know, um, you know, this cluster of characteristics that like kind of elevate you a little bit and you're like, Oh yeah, this is, is this going to happen? And I'm like, you know, feeling into and, and having that kind of like little chemistry back and forth is like the good type of stress. And, and that's what I think is cultivated when you have like a, a, a balanced polarity, right? When you've got this nice polarity between someone who, you know, and I don't necessarily like the, the words masculinity and femininity. I think, you know, um, one of my, one of my friends likes to say, humanity right we're just you know humans rather than you know both of these two ends of the spectrum but um but when you create like a bit of that that sexual chemistry and the sexual tension that's what is referred to as polarity um you know we, we and again like little cliches little little um idioms right opposites attract right this is one of those one of those ideas of of creating a bit of like um distance as well so this is like a common thing in in sex therapy and, and when couples go you know go years of having like a really strong relationship um, you know, older couples, for example, uh, monogamous relationship, they, uh, it's really common for them to go see uh, a sex therapist because they've maybe lost, you know, their sex life. You know, they're, they're, they've got a really like strong, healthy, committed relationship. They're, they're quite intimate with one another. They share things and they're quite emotionally available to one another, but there's just no like sexual, sexual connection there anymore. There's no sexual spark anymore. And they're like, what, what, what's going on? Like everything else is kind of ticking all the boxes, but the sexuality is left. And, um, and often, right, this is a very common thing. Often what it is, 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 you know, too much closeness, right. And too much similarity. And there's not enough quote unquote polarity or distance between the two of them to create that sexual spark again, to create that sexual tension again. Um, and so uh, it's very, um, you know, it's a common place for sex therapists to say, okay, well, we need to create a little bit of distance between the two of you. Right. So what is it that you specifically enjoy by yourself? And then what is it that you specifically enjoy by yourself? And can you create a little bit of distance, right? maybe it's like artificial superficial distance it's not like physical you know geographic distance but it's like you know how can i create my own space and to use that kind of you know uh, analogy again of of bringing back yourself to your, your full circle and then coming back to one another in the infinity side rather than kind of being this you know yin yang way of of kind of completing one another I yeah think that's what polarity is in the psychotherapeutic way of of describing it right it's like just creating a little bit of distance so that there's that like you know, um, what's another little idiom that people say is, um, is, uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder, right? Is, is there some truth in there as well, right? It's like, okay, creating that little bit of distance, that little bit of separation so that when you come back, there is that spark and that connection again. Right. That's cool. So you instruct your clients sometimes to, to do that, to create space and some healthy boundaries. 
Yeah, 100%. And like what that looks like very simply is like a personal practice, right? A day-to-day personal practice. You know? um, and having a, having a personal practice, if you use like the masculine terminology, is like quite a masculine thing to do because it creates routine, creates structure, right? Use David Data's you know, way of looking at things. It creates that grid-like thing of, of you like going, okay, every morning, six o'clock, I'm going to do a cold plunge. I know that's something you're a fan of. Um, or I'm going to do, like, do my practice for a certain amount of you know, time. And then, um, and then that's for me and that's my little thing and that creates my little space and, and, and fills me up. And then from there, I'm going to go and, and engage with my partner and hopefully your partner's doing a similar thing, doing, doing their, their personal practice or doing their, um, daily practice, whatever it might be. And then you come back to one another. Right. Like filling yourself up to fullness that you can overflow and giving. Yeah, totally. Giving from abundance, right? Not giving from scarcity and lack. Totally. What are some of your personal practices besides that, that breathing and the yoga? Do you guys, what's the one um, there? Is it, is it cold enough to plunge? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it's cold enough to plunge. It's cold enough for like a cold dip, but it's, I don't think it's cold enough to do an actual plunge. Um, the, the, um, yeah, the, the personal practice that I kind of rely on is like, um, very similar, man, like to sexual Kung Fu. In fact, like a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I've, taken and, and integrated into my own daily practice it comes from like people like Joseph Kramer and Lauren Johnson. Um, right. and, um, like the and stuff like, yeah, 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 exactly. So stuff like, um, stuff like tapping um, and like, um, engaging my, my genitals, engaging my testicles, right. The, the gonads, you know, activating that kind of HBG axis in the body. Um, and, uh, doing some shaking as well. I love shaking and, and David Baselli's neurogenic tremors. I think those are really important. So I try and do that. Um, I do some do Wim Hof style breathing it? as well. How do you activate the gonads? What's that HPG axis? How do you do that? Um, by firstly, by, by doing some meditating and like, tapping into third eye stuff. Um, but then also by physically engaging the gonads as well. So like doing some shaking or doing some squeezing and some pulling. Um, I think it's also like, I think it's also like good to just be aware of like your testicles as well um, and checking them and and doing that regularly. So um, that acts as that kind of practice as well for a sexual health reason. Um, But then also, yeah, just like squeezing, pulling gently, um, fondling and yeah, just creating like some, some connection to that part of my body. Uh, And then, yeah, I do some like, uh, I do a diaphragm release as well, uh, which comes from, that was a practice that I learned from my fiance. She's a, uh, an amazing singer and one of the things that she teaches all her students is to learn how to release your own diaphragm so that you're not tense and tight through that part of your body and you can actually breathe into your diaphragm how do you um, do so that? i practice that <laughs> very very easy man although i will i will warn people if they're doing this that it is a little bit uncomfortable um so it's very simple taking your taking your fingers nice and strongly placing them um so just kind of tracing your ribs to find the sternum so it's that like little upwards triangle bit where your ribs meet underneath your chest. Once you've found that, just coming about a centimeter or so underneath it to so the softer part, the fleshier part, and then taking a breath in nice and strong. And as you breathe out, pressing the fingers in nice and strongly and going to press up and under the sternum, up and under the ribs. So like you're pressing diagonally up into the body and you should feel a little bit of maybe some tension or some tightness or some soreness there holding that for as long as you feel comfortable. And then when you feel ready, breathing in, relaxing the fingers. Oh, so you hold the breath while you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So exhale and hold and press up into there. Yeah. And then you can like, yeah. And then you can trace the rib line. So your diaphragm is like this big dome shaped muscle that goes underneath the ribs 
and you can do that same practice of exhaling and pressing up and under almost like you're trying to like dig up under your ribs. Um, you can do that the whole way around uh, and, and release the diaphragm from, from there. It's similar to a Kriya that I was doing today, actually, in Kundalini Yoga. You do that, and then you press into that area. So you go. You do that for, like, six minutes. And, like, every mm. time, like, guaranteed, I, like, just start crying or screaming in a good way. Like, it's, like, an emotional release. For some reason, this point, if I press here and do that, I just, like, release so much emotional tension and stress. Yeah, yeah. It's like a... Um, like we can think of it as like one of the biggest areas that we hold tension, right. And tightness in the body. Cause we like any muscle, it, it, if it's not released or it's not massaged or it's not stretched, then it'll just keep holding tension and keep holding tightness. And for a lot of people, they're not even aware of their diaphragm, let alone how to release it or do anything with it. So, you know, I didn't release my diaphragm for the first time until I was like in my early twenties and you know, that's 20 plus years of tension and tightness being stored there. Right. So, um, so for a lot of people, it's like, almost rock hard if they haven't done any diaphragmatic breathing or engaged their diaphragm before it can be like this really strong tightness in it. and it's like you know very gently you've got to start easing into it and pushing into it that's why it's quite painful for a lot of people um so i, I try and do that on a day-to-day basis uh, and then a, a practice from yoga Uddiyana Bandha, which i try and do every day as well which is a fucking amazing practice probably one of the best things that i've learned from from my studies in yoga and is that just squeezing the squeezing the diaphragm in or yeah mean? yeah exactly so it's like a full full squat down exhale completely as you inhale raising up and and yeah and squeezing oh, yeah. sucking the diaphragm into the body yeah and then yeah you can do some gnarly kriya as well if that's like part of your part of your practice but um yeah it's definitely the the bandha is fucking powerful man and especially for like drawing drawing energy and sexual energy up from the from the sexual space from the sexual center something i teach my my male clients all the time is um when they're doing it semen retention to incorporate Uddiyana Bandha into their practice because it's just like an amazing way of just drawing um, energy up the body and starting to starting to pull it up. Nice. Can you show just like a little mini sort of step-by-step for that? <clears throat> yeah. So um, you'd start off standing with your, like your feet about shoulder width apart and then bending over and, you know, uh, softening the knees a little bit. So you place your hands on the top of your knees. So you're just taking the weight in your, in your arms and letting the belly hang. So a lot of people get hung up on like holding, sucking their belly in and holding tightness there to make sure they've got their abs. Um, So it's like just letting go of that and just letting the belly relax, taking a deep breath in as you breathe in, allowing the belly to open up. And then as you exhale, dropping all the way down into a squat, just so it squeezes the diaphragm, squeezes the belly, exhale completely. And then as you come up, whoops. (laughs) Shit, I can't put it on Instagram. <laughs> I know, I know. You're going to have to blur that out, man, if you want to go on social media. <laughs> um, so, and then as you exhale completely, um, coming back up, and as you come up, kind of sucking in, and almost like a false inhale, so like swallow, and that'll create like a vacuum seal in the diaphragm, and it'll pull it up into the ribs, and then holding there for as long as you can. Uh, right. Exhaling, you know, having the exhale retained outside of the body. Um, and, and then sometimes I'll feel, press my fingers in as well. Sometimes while I'm doing yeah, that. totally, man, totally. Yeah, yeah, getting that nice strong um, suction up into the body, that vacuum seal up into the body. Yeah. And then before you take your next inhale, spread your belly out, and then take your inhale in, and then go into it again. Because uh, if, if you try and if you try and breathe before 
yeah, if you try and breathe before like the belly is expanded, it's like trying to push air into a, a vacuum seal, right? Like you'll, you'll like start to splutter, you, you go <laughs> and it doesn't really work. So expand your belly and then draw the breath back in and then go back into your next round. And I usually do about, I only really only do about 10 of those. Nice. That's awesome, man. Do you ever get the Wim Hof method? Yeah, so I've done I uh, I've done the the Wim Hof like breathing thing, and um, I do the like that's that's how I start my whole practice is to lie down into you know in supine position, constructive rest position, do some like do, I probably do about three rounds of of thirty breaths with yeah. a retained exhale, and then that sets me up really nicely for the rest of my practice because it just drops me straight into parasympathetic you know response parasympathetic nervous system and then i'm able to just like enjoy and and feel the rest of my practice if i i find if i don't do the wim hof breathing before i start then i I'm, i feel like i'm just running through the motions and just like doing the practices and like not really feeling them but if i'm like fully dropped into it and and like in that you know resting state that parasympathetic response I actually notice how my practice feels beautiful yeah i feel like these practices just make us more authentically ourselves like I was doing mushrooms with my brother last Thursday and uh, you know, we had, we did like a mushroom journey in the forest. We did breath work with Wim Hof and conscious connected breathing. And then we had this great conversation and we, we, he took me for lunch and he's like, you know, some of the stuff you've been posting has really inspired me. Um, long story short, he, he opened up about how he had some same sex attraction. He realized it's okay. You know, it's, it's all good. So um yeah, it just feels so good to like be authentic and to have authentic conversations with people and just to like let go of the shame. Mm. Release mm. the shame and invite in the love and the the togetherness. And for me in my journey, it's like the going from that lustful frequency to like a frequency of brotherhood. So lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. good, man. And like the the change that needs to happen for a lot of men as well is is like really really pertinent you know like we i don't know i try and i try and be as up to date as possible with you know social events and and the narrative like i speak a lot about my like my understanding interpretation of like the narrative that's being written for men um in in kind of social the social fabric the cultural fabric of of like our society and and like there's this pretty I don't know, pretty destructive narrative, I would say. You know, it's a pretty like hostile narrative for for men and their sex, right? And their pleasure. And it's, you know, reinforced and not even by like not even by like really not like nefarious things, but they're just reinforced by like music videos and fucking TV shows and and just perpetuating, you know, these outdated stereotypes about like men and their sex. And it's just um yeah, it's just like so much work needs to be done on like on rewriting that on changing that. And, and I think you know, people like yourself are, are doing an amazing job of, of helping guys kind of break that mold of being like, Oh, I need to be, you know, this kind of person if I want to be considered a man in society. Right. And it's like, well, actually you don't fucking need to, you know, there's so much you know more to the experience of masculinity, to the experience of being a man or in a male body and, and your experience of sexuality and pleasure, you know, rather than just, I mean, use ejaculation as, as a very simple example, right? A lot of guys think that their ejaculation and orgasm is the same thing, you know, and that, and that the only pleasure they can experience is just from ejaculation. And it's like, no one is telling us otherwise, right? That you know, we're not getting any sex ed. Women don't know that because they're not told anything about male sexuality either. So like, 
all these you know um, guys that are sleeping with women are just kind of going through the same experience and it's just it's just like there's there's so much that needs to be opened up and, and talked about and um, and it's amazing kind of seeing like you said creating that brotherhood you know, and, and having guys you know open up about talking about this sort of stuff yeah dissolving gay dissolving straight dissolving by and just realizing that we're all men in this fucking shit together you know it's really becoming more of a man yeah totally totally it's like in your fullness as well right like in your in like your full awareness of yourself and full awareness of of your brothers as well right and being open and supportive of your brothers and their own journey and knowing that like like we all have the same issues you're you're cutting out one sec hello here he goes recording <laughs> oh amazing amazing so um yeah i was like i was saying like you know, becoming becoming fully aware of like who you are and 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 fully aware of your brothers and supportive of your brothers as well because we yes kind of like we have different different language to describe what's going on for us and maybe we use different terminology or or yes. we we have different stories and different experiences but like underlying the we have we all have the same emotions right we all have the same same sensations we all have the same um we all have the same like content right like the context is slightly sure. different but the content is the same right and regardless of how you identify or what your what your life is kind of look like we all share that same underlying um that underlying content that underlying experience of, of, of existence right and, and we go yeah. through the same shit and it's like the more you can realize and tap into that and let go of those labels and let go of that language that you use to describe something and recognize that your brothers are going through the same thing and experiencing the same shit. Um, you know, the more compassion and, and love you can have for yourself and for, for the people around you. Yes. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of the African cichlid? The fish? No, I have not. No, no. This is crazy, bro. So when the fish fight, when the males fight with each other, the winning males balls gorge with testosterone. And the losing male's testicles shrivel up and it becomes impotent. Whoa. And I, yeah. And so there's one alpha male whose balls has these huge balls who's fucking all the female fish. And the, all, the, all the other beta males, you know, and, and I know those terms don't really exist. I saw your post. But you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> like the, all the other beta males, you know, literally cannot fuck the women because they have no, their testicles have, have become defunct. Mm. So it makes me think of like, Yogi Bhajan talked about the Piscean age and that was such a dark age and it was all about hierarchies. So there were these like dominant structures where there was like one male at the top and then all the other males had to like work really hard. And it was like, you know, mediocrity and information was being suppressed and the people at the top had all the resources and all the women and this and that. And I feel like now that it's the Aquarian age, uh, an energetic space is opened up so that all men can have full testicles, you know, can, can all have a balanced endocrine and hormonal system. And, and it's that brotherhood piece where we're all supporting each other and letting go of competition and comparison that fosters this frequency of all of us having this testosterone and other stuff coursing through us in a healthy way. Mm. So it becomes a circle of brothers rather than one at the top. And I feel like in a subconscious way, when I was like 16 and coming out as, as bisexual, I was going, shit, like I might be attracted to dudes. But if it's true that 
it's all hormonal. Like I study German new medicine. They say that gayness is caused by a hormone thing. You get a territorial uh, conflict in your temporal lobe and it alters the um, hormonal balance in your system. So it basically increases estrogen and lowers testosterone. That's just a theory. But I mean, in my case, it's very true because when I, now that I'm taking pine pollen tincture and I'm grounding myself and feeling better in my own body, I do feel more heterosexual. Mm. Not that that was the goal, but that's just what's happened. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. So I'm just feeling like when I came out at 16, I was in the Piscean age. It was a hierarchy. I was like one of those beta males who'd just been, you know, put through the ringer. I was feeling like very isolated, ungrounded. And I, so I feel like I identified with like a hormonal composition that was pinched off. Mm. And I'm not mm. saying that if you have a balanced endocrine system, you're going to become straight. That's not what I'm saying. But I think in my case, I was identifying with a label that was attached to a glandular balance that was not supportive of life or of, of my, yeah. or of, it was not supportive of my original self. Mm. Amazing, man. Amazing. And, and like to have that awareness as well is fucking incredible to be like, look, this is what, and even if it's retrospective awareness, but to be able to be like, look, I think this is what was happening for me. And, and this is like what, you know, the way I, I had to deal with it. And then the way that I had to like overcome whatever, whatever was going on for me as well is to, is it like speaks volumes of, of, you know, the character of that person to be, to have that awareness and have that understanding of like what's going on for them. And that's like, that's like at the basis of all of what we're trying to teach, right? It's like for, for men to be aware of what's going on in their body and to be connected to their own body and to know, like, I, I, I like the word biohack just cause it sounds cool, but it's like, you're just biohacking your own body. Right. And you're, you're, yeah. you're troubleshooting, you know, if things, things come up for you, you know what to do and you know how to take care of it and you know, like yeah. you understand it and, and you understand how it expresses and how things manifest in your body. So you take control of it and you, and you understand it. Yes. Yes. And, and, and when one is, when one is not in their body, like I wasn't in my body, I was being chased up the street, being called a faggot. I was in a state of fear most of the time. So then when somebody's like, well, you're a faggot, you're gay. And I was like, well, I guess I am. Everybody's calling me gay. I'm the only boy in choir. I must be gay. Cause that's what they're all, mm. all other guys are saying. But I made that decision from a place where I wasn't even in my body. I was just in the psyche of the bully judging myself through his eyes. And then the, 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 the funny thing is, the one who bullied me most, I saw at a gay bar a few years ago, he'd lost all his weight. He said, well, I am so sorry, I'm gay. And I was just projecting onto you. You know, so that was a big mm -hmm. thing too. But mm -hmm. so then when I just let go of all the labels and all the history and I do breath work and I come into my own body, it's like, oh, well, I don't know what label that is, but this feels a lot better than, than identifying with some label that, you know, I decided to be when I wasn't even in my body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100% man. And, and like, I think that is, that is, you know, your experience can be extrapolated to like just people in general, right? Like we often see ourselves in the eyes of others, right. And the way that other people, you know, consider us to be, you know, how many, how many men, for example, that identify as heterosexual are, are really identifying that way but that's only because like, that's what society kind of expects them to be. Right. And that's what people kind of assume. And that's the default assumption, right? That if you're, if you're a, a non effeminate guy that you must be straight, you know, like that's the, 
that's the kind of stereotypical worldview. But how many of those guys, you know, are only uh, only only straight because that's what they're kind of expected to be. You know, and and the same goes for for just people in general, women as well. Um, you know, it's a it's it's a way of just kind of living in an in in a projection of other people, right? Rather than kind of living true to yourself. And I think that like to come full circle back to um, the Aubrey Marcus quote about like guys being you know, all guys being like at least a percentage gay, I think that's like what what we need to kind of recognize is there is fluidity and, and you don't have to like be boxed in. And even if you are in that one box, like you don't have to, um, like just because you're, you're for one thing or you identify as one thing doesn't mean you, you're not for another thing or you're not, you, or that you're against another thing, right? Or that you're, or that you're, um, or that you can't identify. You know, I think um, Terence McKenna, uh, used to say like if you subscribe to one belief system and you know and and you you base yourself on one camp then you automatically preclude yourself from believing in anything else or identifying with anything else or having an experience of of anyone else's because you're you you've set yourself up to be only in that one experience so um and i think that's like uh, we spoke about psychedelics i think that's what what psychedelics can do and and what psychedelic experiences can do is they they like kind of open that box a little bit and you go oh my god like there's you poke your head out and you're like oh there's all this kind of other stuff out there and um i think that that's what that openness is is to be like look even though i kind of feel comfortable in this little box here um and my labels and my identity like i recognize there's other stuff out there and maybe there is some some other experiences that i could have and that doesn't detract away from like what i've the comfort and, and the security that i have in my own box yeah what would be some advice or hot tips you would give to a guy who wants to be more authentic about who he is maybe in the realms of sexuality and, and sexual orientation but like they're scared because i talk to a lot of guys like oh i know like i am bi but i you know if, if any of my guy friends found out they would reject me mm. what mm. would you say to somebody in that situation um I mean, the general advice that I give to people, um, regardless of the situation that they're in, is to explore their like explore their sexual desires. You know what I mean? Like, like take take time to to explore your body and explore yourself and explore like what feels good and what turns you on, and and do that solo first, right? Do that through your own touch. Do it through you know, some people use uh, pornography to help them kind of discover what it is they're like. And, and it's like, use, use the tools that you have for yourself to, to explore what your desires are, what your, what your pleasures are. Um, so for a lot of, for a lot of the straight guys that I've talked to that have never done any type of anal stimulation before, when I get them to start exploring their body and exploring what feels good, most of the time, what pops up for them is like, I have a desire to explore prostate play, prostate stimulation, anal play, but what does that mean for me? And it's like, it doesn't have to mean anything. It means that you enjoy that. It means that you have a desire for that. And the more you can be accepting and aware of like what turns you on and what your personal desires are and be more authentic and like who you are as a person, because, you know, like I said, our sexuality is like inextricably linked to who we are as a person and the way we show up and the way that we know our sexual self is the way we're going to show up and, and be with other people. Um, so like I maybe wouldn't try and give advice to the guy who's you know, struggling you know, for acceptance from his friends. I'd be like offering advice to the friends being like, look, explore your sexual self, explore your sexual body. You might find that, you, you know, that there's more to your sexual self than just kind of rubbing one out and ejaculating, you know, and, and explore those desires and, and the wants and the, the sexual needs that you have 
and become aware of those and, and start to recognize them. That's the, that's like the advice I just give people like in general. I think that's great advice. Uh, Yogi Bhajan called it developing your self-sensory system. You know, and he said that would be our archangel guiding us and protecting us in the Aquarian age. Just somatically being aware of our own system and bringing the, I think that Yogi's called like Pratyahara, bringing the, cutting off the mm. external stimulus and just focusing on oneself. In, in, in yeah, your totally. Yeah. Wow, man. I'm so grateful to, to connect with such amazing beings such as yourself. Thanks, my brother. It's like, I feel like it's like a, a prayer and I feel like my prayers have been answered. <laughs> yeah, there's guys out there. Maybe they're, maybe they're not all in Canada, but there's definitely some men out there. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. And then also another guy from Australia, Shameless Sex God. Yeah, Tyron. Yeah, yeah. Tyron. yeah he's an amazing dude as well. Yeah, like how great is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, you need to come to Australia and you're trying to get me to come to Canada. Yeah. Maybe you need to come here. I need to come down to Australia. I've, I've only ever been to New Zealand. That's the closest to Australia. Or I've been to Bali, which is kind of close to Australia. So yeah. Uh, yeah both, both, both those places are amazing, but yeah, Australia is uh, uh, definitely a place that you need to add to your bucket list. Yes, totally. I've been meaning amazing. to be there. And there's now a direct flight, so, so it's good. Oh, how good. Yeah, it's all aligning. Yeah, it's all aligning. <laughs> oh, wow. Is there anything else that you want to talk about on this podcast, brother? Anything you want to share? Um, definitely before you go tell, tell people what you're up to and how they can follow you and enroll in your programs. That's totally, cool. man. Totally. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I think um, I'm all, all juiced up and feeling good about what we've talked about already, man. Like it feels like nice to, to be able to have conversations like this. And I want to thank you for having a platform to have these conversations. Like that's the, that's the gratitude that I want to share and the, the um, appreciation that I have for people like yourself. It's um, yeah, it's really humbling to be, to be able to, to be invited on and to, to share some of my story and share some of the things that I know. So um, no, I just appreciate that, man. And um, yeah, if people are, if people are keen to, 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 to connect with me and learn more about what it is that I, that I do. Um, I guess the, the most, uh, effective way of doing that and, and where I share all my content is is through Instagram and thankfully I haven't been banned yet um, although I, I count every single day uh, because uh, I reckon it's coming but uh, yeah. that's where everything I what was that have they ever sent you warnings I've yeah I've got I've got warnings for posting up a few things and I think I've been shadow banned a few times but um, but my my Instagram handle is 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 that what sorry did they remove your shadow ban? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I'm not really sure how to tell. Uh, I've read a couple of things, but I'm pretty sure that I've been okay because of the engagement. Um, and then I've, I've had a couple of posts been taken down and, and I've just kind of done a different photo and, and edited a little bit but um, and then posted them back up. So they've been fine. So I assume it's okay um, for the most part. Um, so that's uh, at the Cam Fraser. And, um, and that's kind of where I put all my education up there. So every, every post I write, I try and make it informative and educational. Uh, so like if you want to learn something, just jump onto that page and click on pretty much any post and, and you'll probably learn something. That's like the intention behind the Instagram. Um, and yeah, I've got, uh, I've got a course coming up. Um, I've just started a course actually called Outperform a Porn Star, which is a men's online men's course, which is all about uh, 
all about exploring pleasure and exploring sexual expression and sexual experiences and, and pretty much breaking that mold of what it looks like to be a male porn star, right? Of, of just kind of like focusing on penetration and focusing on ejaculation and the money shot. Uh, so it's like learning how to, learning how to um, get out of that performance mindset and into the pleasure mindset and expanding that. Um, so I'm a couple of weeks in and that's been amazing so far, but I'll be running that again um, probably later in the year. Nice. And then the, the men's retreat that I was mentioning as well, that's something I want to try and get up, up and running possibly next year, early next year. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's a bunch of stuff kind of coming out and, and obviously I, I do coaching like yourself and yeah, just, uh, just feeling, feeling good about doing this work, man. It feels fucking amazing. It's awesome, man. Eh? It's nice to get yeah. people to like serve through your passions. Yeah, totally, man. Totally. To do something that you're fucking lit up about is, is amazing. Mm -hmm. I like the quote, be who you needed when you were younger. Yeah, 100%, man. And that's exactly what I try and do. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for your time, Cam, and for doing all the amazing stuff you're doing and for taking risks and for being courageous. Uh, thanks very much for having me on and, and giving me a chance to have a chat with you. My pleasure. Awesome, brother. Amazing. I will see you at some point in Oz. Yes, yes, we will be waiting. Yes, woo! <laughs> okay, have a beautiful day and uh, enjoy the beautiful sun of Australia. <laughs> I will, man, enjoy the beautiful cold of Canada. I will, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Ciao for now, brother. See you, man, see ya. You see ya. This is clear to me. You are more than what I see. Thank you, yogis, for tuning in. And thanks to Mr. Cam Fraser for joining us on our podcast, the Urban Yogi Podcast up here in Canada, all the way down from Australia. Um, it's always nice to speak with like-minded people, and it really was an inspiration to connect with somebody such as Cam and just realize that there's guys all over the world, gay, straight, everywhere in between, that are waking up to this whole um, new paradigm of breaking down the labels and really just stepping into more manhood and brotherhood together. So if you'd like to find out more about Cam's amazing programs and what he's up to, check him out on social media. His handle is at the Cam Fraser. He's got a new program out for guys called Outperform a Porn Star. Check it out. Satnam. about the sweet things in life we just go too fast on this track to see what we have left behind what we can find on this road of life I pray
clouds above the sea You watch over me Just like the pounding rain You wash away my tears of pain